Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Iruk the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Machan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. I was absolutely devastated. Devastated that somebody I trusted completely could actually do this. I feel I'm still in a nightmare. I'm just wondering when am I going to wake up. The charity sector has been rocked by a series of financial scandals resulting in investigations, court cases and questions over transparency. Moreover, public trust has been severely damaged. The misappropriation of funds was going on for for 20 years. Um, The judge hearing the case said it appeared that the former chief executive was taking the money out of the charity in small suitcases. I'm Fiannan Sheehan and you're listening to In Focus, the current affairs podcast from independent.ie. Today I'll be talking to Irish Independent Legal Editor Shane Phelan about tales of lavish expenditure and who's watching out after the public give their money over. Well, I suppose this sends a warning shot to all charities that poor governance and financial impropriety invariably ends up being uncovered with significant reputational repercussions for the charity involved. I started milking cows on the farm he was the farm manager so he was like he was the guy that I reported to the day one when I arrived for my job and we, we struck up a friendship straight away we're you know friends all my life if you like after that he had seen some literature in an airport about cows being flown from one part of the world to the other to help the poor and picked up the literature and was at home and it's cheaper so, you know with our with, like Ireland's dairy backbone, something like this could work at home. That was Dave Maloney, the former chief executive of Boher, the aid charity, talking about the origins of the charity with, with Peter Ireton, which many people will be very familiar with, largely because of their, their Christmas ads. We're on our way to Africa. Okay. We're part of Boher's Christmas promise to help poor families. Wow. We give milk and cheese and fertilise soil with our manure. Shane, why has Boher come to public attention for other reasons, particularly around its finances? There's been some pretty startling revelations about how the charity was operated over the past 20 years. Uh, and I suppose these started to tumble out uh, earlier this year. The first indications, uh, I suppose, to the public that, that things weren't well 
uh, would have been uh, in, in in February of this year when when Bohr instituted proceedings against uh, David Maloney, and by April it became clear what all of this was about. Um, they said they had found evidence of uh, a large scale misappropriation of funds by David Maloney. It started off in the region of four hundred thousand euros, and uh, the, the figures have just grown and grown as time has gone on, uh, and more investigations um, have taken place. This all started off with an anonymous tip-off uh, to the charities board. It was claims made that, that certain members of staff were claiming expenses they weren't entitled to uh, you know, for hotel breaks and room service and, and things like that. And um, the, the board started to look into this and um, uh, they became concerned that David Maloney appeared to be dragging his feet not, not, and had not, even though he'd, he'd known about these issues, he hadn't done anything about it. As that thread was pulled on, uh, more and more began, began to unravel. And uh, initially, Dave Maloney uh, denied any impropriety. Um, you know, said he would he would actually help the charity uh, to to you know in its investigations. But uh, eventually, he capitulated and uh, admitted that he had been involved in uh, the theft of um, what it is now believed to be about one point one million euro in funds. This didn't all happen in in large tranches of cash or at any one particular time. Um, this all happened over uh, 20 years, according to David Maloney. He um, he filed an affidavit in the High Court in which he admitted his own involvement, but also alleged that the uh, the, the co-founder of the charity, Peter Ireton, was heavily involved in this scheme. And um, what he's saying they did was that they, they concocted fake projects in Africa and Eastern Europe, um, and that they did this near the beginning or the end of each financial year. So it kind of, you know, went under the radar in accounts. Uh, people didn't really notice it. Illegitimate payments would be uh, uh, drawn down and, and attached to these uh, uh, purported projects that never really existed. Uh, the excuse given uh, for withdrawing funds from the bank would be that, look, we can't trust the banking systems in some of these countries, so we're going to have to, to, to deliver the money in cash. Uh, and indeed, that's uh, that's something that Dave Maloney said he did with uh, a nun in Tanzania, uh, VG Dali, uh, who uh, I, I spoke to myself. Um, she uh, works with uh, children who've been uh, uh, the victims of trial, child trafficking. And uh, when I when I told her that, you know, um, uh, Dave Maloney says he gave you all of this money, uh, she was flabbergasted. She said, "Look, we didn't we didn't get a penny of that." And uh, you know uh, she couldn't she couldn't understand what had happened. Um, and David Maloney he went into I suppose an extraordinary level of detail um, in his affidavit about you know just just you know how how they did it you know um, yeah you know when, when he'd get the money um, Peter Ireton used to get a bigger share but over time it became kind of a fifty fifty enterprise he would leave Peter's share in a um, in a safe in Peter's home, and he'd bring uh, uh, his own cut home. The judge who's been hearing this uh, remarked at one point that it appeared that uh, David Maloney was bringing the cash out in small suitcases, such was the 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 the, the, the number of, of banknotes. Um, of course, you know, Peter Ireton has passed on now, so he's not here to uh, to answer these allegations. Um, uh, he, he died uh, in tra tragic circumstances quite soon after. Uh, it emerged that the Boher had launched an investigation in, in, into into payments he was supposed to have received. What about David Maloney? Do we expect he's going to face charges or what consequences are we looking at there? There is a guard investigation. Um, uh, David Maloney hasn't faced any charges as of yet. Uh, I suppose we do know 
from past experience that uh, white collar uh, crime investigations tend to take considerable period of time, particularly ones we, we've seen in the charity sector. It, you know, it, it can take years for charges to be brought and, uh, and and more time again then for cases to actually reach the court. So I think it's a case of watching this space and seeing what, uh, what developments arise. And here indeed is David Maloney talking about why alarm bells should go off when you see lavish funding and expenditure in the charity sector. When you hear stories about uh, charity CEOs going to meetings in helicopters, you're, that does kind of ask you to question everything. You know, Let's take a couple of steps back here and look at the sector and what's going on. Well, Gorthy have been asked to investigate concerns surrounding the finances of the charity Console, arising from an internal audit by the HSE. The decision comes after the RTE Investigations Unit highlighted discrepancies in accounts submitted by Console to various funding bodies. Shan, that was the console case hitting the headlines uh, tell us a bit about what happened there and 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 with that charity i suppose you know on the length of the inquiry that there has been into console uh, has meant that the scandal has somewhat faded in the in the, in the public memory so I, it's it's worth remembering that the, the kind of the seismic impact it did have when it broke in in 2016 chief executive uh, paul kelly he resigned following revelations about lavish spending, breaches of revenue commissioner rules and so on. And um, it was thought that, you know, in the region of 600,000 euros in funds was at the centre of an investigation that that was an investigation uh, being conducted by the Office of the Director of uh, Corporate Enforcement. Again, you know, with these cases involving charities, huge sense of betrayal there for people who would have donated, for, for people who would have donated money and people who would use their services. Um, like Paul Kelly uh, set up Console back in, in 2002 following the death of his own sister, Sharon, from suicide. And I've identified with that pain and devastation because it's only a couple of years ago that my own sister, Sharon, at the age of 21, died by suicide. And it came as a terrible shock to us as a family because we genuinely didn't see it coming. And we were left with the legacy of suicide, and that is the why. You know, why did she do it? You know, she was the baby in my family, and, you know, we were asking, you know, was her love not enough? And if only we'd have known that she was in crisis, we would have moved to heaven and earth to prevent it, because she was deeply, deeply loved. A couple of years beforehand, he did this because there was, look, there was a paucity of counselling services out there. And what started off as a support group, I suppose, it, it just it, it got it got really big very quickly. Within a decade, there was counselling centres in Dublin, Cork, Limerick, Galway, Waterford, Tralee, Mayo. Um, uh, sometime uh, afterwards, then you had a section set up in the United Kingdom. Um, and um, by the time uh, Console ended up being liquidated following the revelations in 2016, you know, it had, it had 12 full-time staff, uh, 60 counsellors, and there was uh, about, about 375 people actually attending counselling services. So it was quite a big uh, enterprise. Even the staff themselves have been have been 
taken aback by, by what has emerged here. here. Here's Margaret Tierney, the Director of Business Management with Console in Galway, talking to the, to the Connacht Tribune uh, about how she really felt betrayed by, by Paul Kelly. I was absolutely devastated. Devastated that somebody I trusted completely could actually do this. I'm still in, I feel I'm still in a nightmare. I'm just wondering when am I going to wake up. I just cannot, cannot get it out of my head what this man has actually done. I held him in such high esteem. Shane, tell us a bit about Paul Kelly, this kind of charismatic figure at the, at the, the centre of this charity. What, what kind of picture has built up about him over, particularly over the last five years? Well, you're right, Fionn. He was a charismatic figure and he, he drew on that personal experience and he, he spoke about it quite often when outlining, you know, his motivation for setting up the charity. But really, he had a quite a strange past. It's extraordinary that uh, it took so long for him, I suppose, to get to to be rumbled. For example, you know, his trustworthiness was was an issue that, you know, would have been in question as far back as the, the early 80s. In 1983, he was caught using fake credentials to pose as a doctor at the Royal City of Dublin Hospital on Baggett Street. And now he managed to to uh, avoid a conviction there, receiving the Probation Act. Um, and one wonders if things might have been different if he had been dealt with more sternly by the courts. Uh, but it's also known that uh, at other times that he, he he posed as a priest and an airline pilot. So uh, there's an element of the, the, the fantasist uh, going on here. We also know that um, he, he he skirted his luck in the, in the years uh, just before all of this kind of blew up. That, you know, for example, we know the HSC would have provided something like 2.5 million in the five years before the scandal emerged. And uh, it, it appears from an audit that, that was carried on uh, that the HSC was actually quite slow to react when, you know, warning signals were there. So, um, you know, he uh, he lived on his wits for a long time. While this has been dragging on for some time, remind us where we are in terms of the investigation. We know that Patricia Kelly is pleading not guilty to the charges against her. We know that um, uh, Paul Kelly was about to face charges uh, at the time um, he, he took his own life in uh, February of last year. So there's no, there obviously can be no criminal case against him. But the following month, charges uh, of fraudulent trading and money laundering were brought against his wife, uh, Patricia. Uh, and we know uh, that, that this case is actually going to take some time before it, it goes to trial. The uh, trial date itself is, is, is not scheduled for uh, January, until January 2023. Yeah, Child Fund Ireland is a member of Child Fund Alliance, mm-hmm. which has been around for many years. It's uh, an international development organisation. Um, Child Fund Ireland, as I say, is part of the Alliance. There are 11 members of the Alliance. So that was Child Fund Ireland Chief Executive Michael Kiley explaining what what that charity does. Uh, However, it has come under the public spotlight for another reason, and particularly around its finances. What exactly has has emerged there, Shane? Well, I suppose if you know, uh, it's important to say at the outset that this is a in a slightly different category to uh, to console and Boher. We're not dealing with uh, a case where there's criminal investigations or anything like that. This is actually 
an investigation or inspection that was ordered by uh, the charity's regulator um, and uh, a report was published in uh, in June of this year uh, which highlighted issues to do with governance and, and finance uh, at the charity. Um, it's a children's aid charity which uh, allows donors to sponsor children in developing nations and uh, well, I suppose one of the, the, the most shocking findings out of it uh, for me was that of the uh, the millions of euros uh, that it received in state funding in recent years, 64% of its annual grant uh, that it got from Irish aid was being used uh, for salaries and administrative costs. So I think when, when anyone gives over their money to a charity, um, you know, they expect that the vast majority of it will actually go to people on the ground. Um, and... Uh, uh, that figure for administration, you know, does seem to, uh, you know, really, really high. Then you had issues to do with, with, with spending and excessive spending on restaurants and travel and accommodation, which, you know, is the sort of stuff that really drives the general public and donors uh, bonkers. I mean, um, Michael Kiley re- uh, retired after 14 years as chief executive in, in, in 2017. And uh, the, the charity spent €2,700 on a, on a retirement lunch for him and a, and a gift, uh, even though at the time it was running a deficit of €12,000. So, you know, that's quite questionable uh, for that to happen. Uh, then you had issues to do with um, credit card spending on restaurants, 4,200 spent uh, during uh, 2017. And the inspectors looked at the expenses uh, racked up there. They formed that, that none were actually supported by an expenses claim form. And I suppose to cap it all off, there was a trip to uh, to Zambia where uh, Michael Kylie went with a, a member of staff. And that member of staff actually brought uh, her daughter uh, along on the trip, even though it looked she wasn't an employee. This trip involved three nights in Dubai uh, in two five-star hotels, uh, Le Meridian Dubai for one night on uh, the journey out and the Avani Adira Dubai for for two nights on the return leg. And uh, the inspectors asked, well, look, you know, what was going on here? And uh, according to their report, Mr. Kiley said that uh, on the return journey that his uh, he was uh, feeling unwell and that uh, his colleague and her daughter were tired, so they decided to stay an extra night. But uh, the inspectors uh, looked at the bookings and, uh, you know, they found that these were made two days in advance of the stay and they basically concluded, you know, that they didn't accept this explanation. Uh, They concluded that the the two-night stay was at the expense of the charity and was a planned one and not one required uh, by a sudden uh, illness. So, you know, that didn't look, look, look particularly good or doesn't look particularly good for that charity. The charities regulator will be chalking this up as a case of where it intervened, it investigated, it it made it its findings uh, known. Is there an argument around the charities regulator that the, the whole charity sector is is too vast, it's too unregulated, and and that you know really they need to be given more time uh, and resources and legal support uh, in terms of carrying out its remit? Well, I think that. Any regulator, um, uh, you know, if it was offered more resources, would take more resources. The charities regulator hasn't been around all of that all that long. We're only beginning to see, I suppose, the fruits of some of its investigations coming out. It's 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 uh, launched uh, seven uh, inquiries uh, similar to the one that we've seen uh, uh, with Child Fund Ireland. So that's quite a small number. Um, um, 
there are over 11,000 registered charities in Ireland and um, there's quite a lot of money sloshing around in some of those charities. You've got over uh, 2,600 charities with an annual income of above quarter of a million and over a thousand of those have income in excess of, of one million. So, um, look, I think you can always make arguments that regulators should be beefed up, have more resources and so on. I think that reports like this are very valuable uh, because they send a warning shot out there to charities that you can have, you know, uh, sloppiness or, or problems with, with governance and, and, and finance issues only for so long because it will eventually be found and there are, you know, reputational repercussions for that for any charity, you know, that, that is found to not be abiding by the rules and, and best practice. You are listening to In Focus, the current affairs podcast from independent.ie. Produced by Mary Carroll with sound design by John Smith. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.